Welcome back to Empowering Life Ministries podcast. I'm Daryl Barber and I'll be your host today. Uh, we're looking at the Feast Day of Atonement, what we're looking at today. And uh, this is actually going to be part five uh, in this teaching that we're doing. But we've got down to the part to where we talked about the things that had to be atoned for. And of course, that was Aaron and his household, all of his family, uh, the whole nation of Israel. And then what we're looking into right now, probably something you've really not even thought about or been familiar with, uh, what some of these scriptures were uh, really saying, but the sanctuary actually had to be cleansed also. And uh, we looked at a scripture in Job 15 and 15 where it said, Behold, he puts no trust in his saints. Yea, the heavens are not clean in his sight. And uh, we looked into how that because of the rebellion that took place with Lucifer and the fallen angels that basically uh, the heavens were polluted uh, through that. And we looked in Hebrews nine twenty two through 24 that talked about in there that even that the patterns of the things in the heavens should be purified with these. Uh, speaking about the blood, the shedding of the blood. For Christ has not entered to the holy place made with hands, which are figures of the true, but to heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. And, uh, you know, only Aaron was the one that can make atonement during that time because he was the high priest. And uh, Jesus is the only one as our high priest who could reconcile men to God. And uh, Jesus went beyond the veil to do that for us and uh, the last scripture we read, uh, I think in the last podcast, was in Hebrews chapter 10, 19 through 22. And I want to read that again because just kind of building on this a little bit uh, about everything that took place in his death, burial, and resurrection. If you think back in the Gospels, I think it's in the Gospel of John, after Jesus' resurrection, remember Mary came to him. She, she thought he was the gardener. Of course he was. But anyway... When he said her name, Mary, uh, immediately she knew it was the Lord. And he, he told her, he said, Touch me not, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Well, why? Well, they weren't going to touch him the way they'd touched him before. They were going to touch him now in a whole different way. And he was going, you know, he, 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 the scripture talks about he that descended also ascended. And he cleansed the things in heaven. Amen. When that took place with his own blood. Hebrews chapter 10, 19 through 22 says, Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he has consecrated for us through the veil, that's to say his flesh. And let me just say this for a word picture for you. You think of his flesh being that veil. John 10 talks about Jesus as the door to the, to the sheep. You know, he's the door. And I'm telling you right now, he's the door uh, that we could enter in to the holiest of all uh, because he is every piece of that furniture. He is the Ark of the Covenant. You know, in the, in the uh, tabernacle of Moses, that was the ultimate thing. That was the meeting place with God. And now Jesus has forever secured that, amen, by making that way through his flesh, which is the veil. And it, the rest of the scripture says, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Hebrews six eighteen through 20 says this, that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation 
who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into that within the veil, whither the forerunner is for us entered, even Jesus made a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. And I'm telling you, there's a new order now. Uh, the ministry of uh, Melchizedek, the order of Melchizedek is what Jesus, amen, flowed in. And him being the forerunner is what I want you to think about here. That man, he went in first. He entered and he made the way for every one of us to enter. Uh, go back into Matthew chapter 27 and think about this for a minute. It says, uh, Matthew 27, 50 through 53, it says, Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. And behold, the veil of the temple is rent in twain from the top to the bottom. And the earth did quake, and the rocks rent, and the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints which slept arose and came out of the graves after his resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared unto many. And some of you that have been listening to this teaching, you know that was speaking of the Feast of First Fruits. Amen, to where he and that first fruit company, amen, got up and made the way. I'm telling you right now, this uh, just powerful, powerful things that's going on uh, in these scriptures. But after Jesus' resurrection, the veil was rent because it was signifying that the way had been made for all of us to go beyond the veil into the presence of the Lord forever. Now, with those uh, hypocrites, I, I just don't mean, mean to be mean, but the the system that they had set up during that time, there had been no Ark of the Covenant uh, around for years. And uh, there was nothing behind that veil. Uh, the Ark of the Covenant disappeared back in the book of Jeremiah. And it hadn't been there for years, but they were still going through all of the motions and just a, a religious ceremony is really what it was because the presence of God the Ark of the Covenant was not beyond that veil. And what it exposed in that old covenant system uh, was a form of godliness is what it was, but denying the truth. They were not in right relationship with God. But Jesus, when that veil was rent, it was a picture of a way being made now for all of us to go into the presence of God. He, that's why Paul wrote in Hebrews chapter 4, 14, through 16. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that's passed into the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Now, I'm telling you right now, we can come boldly to the throne of grace. And when I say the word throne here, I want you to think about something. To me, that's a picture of the Ark of the Covenant is what it was. It, a throne is just a place of power. It was the place of ruling. And that's what the Lord did in our lives. He, it, The Ark of the Covenant, uh, uh, the positioning of it, is, is a picture of something we're going to look at here in a few minutes, but it's a picture. Jesus is the true Ark of the Covenant. So now we can go in into the presence of God. 
In Zechariah chapter 3 and verse 9, it says this, Behold the stone that I have laid before Joshua. Upon one stone shall be seven eyes. Behold, I will engrave the graving thereof, saith the Lord of hosts. And I will remove the iniquity of that land in one day. Now prophetically, this verse is pointing to Calvary. Jesus, once and for all sacrificed, removed the iniquity from the land in one day, that day at Calvary, when all those things took place. I'm going to stop here. We'll pick this up in the next podcast, go a little bit further. Thank you for joining me. You have a blessed day.